gosh, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And he's favored us. And as we prepare to hear the word today, I want you to do something special today, a little special. I want us to bow our heads and pray. And I want you with everything within you to say, Lord, open my heart to hear what you have to say to me. Because I believe today is going to be a life changer for for many of us, hopefully all of us. But uh, how many of you, there's some things in your life you could, you'd, you'd appreciate changing, amen? Let me ask you this. How many of you, there's some things in the person who you're sitting next to you wish they would change? Okay. All right. All right. There we go. Okay. Uh, that's a little, little gentle humor. Uh, but you know what? The Word of God has the power to change our lives. But we've got to open our hearts. You see, the Bible says our hearts are like soil. And if the soil is hard... Uh, then the seed of the word can't come in. So, you know, the, the prophet said we need to break up the fallow ground of our hearts so the word of God can be made manifest in our heart. And if the seed goes down in our heart and then uh, we, we water it in faith and just continue to let the word of God uh, make its way in our life, it'll bring forth much fruit. And 2013, things can change for you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, 2013 can be a, a year of great change for God's bl- good. Amen. Things change in our life. So let's pray together and let's open our hearts to the word of God today. Father, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and has the capacity to pierce our heart and change our lives. So today as we hear the word, may it do great things in our life, not only for our benefit, but for those who we influence on a daily basis in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. God bless you today. Welcome to Church on the Rock North. We continue today talking about finding the Father's favor. The month of December, we're prepping ourselves, we're preparing ourselves through looking at the life of Mary to to position ourselves in a position, in a place in, in our spiritual life where God can favor us. Now, we're looking at two keynote verses. You don't need to turn to Psalm 102, verse 13. I'll just read it to you. I would encourage you to memorize it. In fact, this would be a good thing to just quote just when, as you're walking around through the, through the day. And you can put your name in here. It says this, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Now, you know, Zion has to do with the people of God and that's us today. Amen. All the people of God say, amen. So there's nothing wrong with putting your name there. Doug, you can do this. Clay, you can do this. Uh, uh, Hey, we can all do it. Uh, Just say, you will arise and have mercy on Sam for the time to favor Sam has come. Yes. The set time. Somebody say, amen. I really believe that, you know, as children of God, we all have, and we live in, in different, le- in, in a level of the favor of God in our lives. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. You didn't earn it, right? You didn't work hard for it. You didn't, uh, you know, dance a jig or do whatever to get God to favor you. You didn't pray harder than anybody else. God's grace. He has unmerited his unearned favor. But we're learning something. We're learning from the life of Mary that there are different levels of the favor of God and that we can move to another level. 
In fact, what did the angel say to Mary uh, when he came to her there in Luke chapter 1? And I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to look there in just a few moments. What did the angel say to her? He said, you're highly favored. Everyone say highly favored. He said, you're highly favored. And then he, he said, for you have found favor with God. You see, I think those are two important things for us to think about for a moment. That, hey... If we all as children of God have experienced his grace to get us into heaven, his unmerited favor, then if there are different levels of favor that God wants to favor us, how many of you think we ought to step into another level? Amen. Ray, he he must be on the spirit because he did the offering this morning. Let's try that. Let's try this again. How many of you think we ought to step into another level of the favor of God in our life? I I really believe that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just get in by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I want to move into a whole new level. Amen. Of the favor of God on my life. But here's the thing. The angel, he said, the Lord is with you, Mary. You have found favor. You see, and this is what you and I need to understand, the big idea about the favor of God. We look at some people and we, we try to, you know, we spend too much time trying to figure out why God favored other people rather than spending enough time positioning ourselves in a place where God can favor us and bring us to a whole new level. Here's the big idea. The favor of God, the favor of the Father is never random. Some of us tend to think it's like, you know, God up in heaven just throwing out woofle dust. And if you happen to get under it, you know, you get it. Uh, that's not that way at all. And we've been looking at the life of Mary and learning from her what she did to position herself in a place where she found the favor of God upon her. In fact, what did the angel say? Let's read it together. Let's just jump in. In Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read this again. And then I'll share some things that I've already shared with you. Then we'll get into a whole new thought about finding the favor of God. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was? And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Uh, The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Just pause and remember, not troubled at him, but troubled at what he said. And considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived a son in her old age, and this is not the sixth, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be. Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. My goodness, what what a what a what an amazing experience Mary had there that day. She found favor 
with God. And we've learned over the last few Sundays that the favor of God, the favor of the Father is never random, that there was something about Mary that caused God to choose to favor her beyond all the other women of the earth. And we looked and realized, and in fact, I, I validated this to you even from a natural perspective on the first Sunday, looking at some of the fathers in scripture, how they favored. Did you know Joseph favored, Joseph's father favored him just because he was the baby? Shame on us parents for doing that, but it's true. Favor's never random. There's always a reason. And that's the way it is with God. And we learned and we moved to David and how, how the, the prophet came to the house of Jesse uh, to find and anoint the next king of Israel. And he looked at all of Jesse's sons and, and none of them were the, 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 God said, no, that's not him. And the big, you know, he looks like a king, not him. And then the, 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 the voice of the Lord spoke and said, God, you don't understand. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the God looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. He's looking at our heart. And that's what we learned about the favor of God. It's our heart condition that God looks at and causes and moves him to favor us. You see, it says about David that he was a man after God's own heart and God saw him. He was just a little boy out in the sheep pasture. In fact, he didn't even make the first lineup. He was out there that, well, he's not ready. He couldn't be the one. And, and when they finally brought him in, the, the Spirit of God said, he's the one. And he anointed him and favored him. Why? Because of his heart. And so that's what we've been looking at with Mary and looking at her heart. And what was it about Mary? What was it about Mary's heart condition that caused God to favor her? The first thing we learned uh, on the first Sunday, and I love this, her heart condition, she had a hearing heart. She was in tune with God and his word and will for her life. In fact, it's amazing to me that the angel Gabriel shows up and she is not troubled by that. It's almost like an angelic interaction was the norm for her. Now, when you think about Elizabeth's husband, Zacharias, when that same angel showed up to him uh, and, and shared the revelation of God to him, he fell down. He was afraid of the angel. Not little Mary. Little Mary had something going on in her life that put her in tune with God and in the flow of God for her life. In fact, we learned, uh, really not just from me, from, but from Dr. Shibley, uh, that when she began to sing her song, Mary's song, that it's just filled with scripture. Mary was a word girl. She was in tune with the voice of God in her life. And if you and I are going to find the favor of God for our lives, guess what? We're going to, we're going to have to be hearing of what God has to say for us. So number one, everyone say Mary had a hearing heart. I said Mary had a hearing heart. Number two, last Sunday, we learned from Mary that not only uh, was her hearing heart positioning her in a place where God could favor her, but number two, she had a humble heart. What was Mary troubled about the day when the angel came into her house and visited her? He was troubled by this audacious, amazing, overwhelming, exalting declaration from the angel Gabriel over her life. 
The fact that the angel Gabriel came to her and said this amazing thing, this is what troubled her. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. That threw her for a loop. She feared that. Why? Because she, being a word girl, knew that if, if, I, start, if I start embracing this in the wrong way and it lifts me up in pride, God will resist me. And so Mary had a humble heart. She stayed humble before God. In fact, even when they went to Bethlehem, and you know, uh, I see some of us who were able to, where's Cade? And, and I see Laurie and Beverly, some of the, and Sam and Mary and others got, Jeremy got to go with us to Israel last year. Wow. You know, when you just, let me ask you, Laurie, when you hear the word Bethlehem, you have a whole different idea now that you've been there. Isn't that right, Cade? When you hear these stories and remember that we stood out by the hills where the shepherds were and had a great time there. Uh, you know, she, when all of this was going on and when they came to Bethlehem and there was no room in the inn, Mary didn't pull out her son of, uh, mother of the son of God card and say, hey, I need the presidential suite, please. She pondered these things in her heart. She stayed humble before God. And how many of you know, it's, it's like a law. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will he do? He will lift you up. It's a law. Everyone say, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's a spiritual law. And if we want to move to another level of the favor of God in our life, not only do we have to have a hearing heart to be able to hear his voice and hear his word and be sensitive to the things of God, but we've got to have a heart of humility that keeps us in a place where God can lift us up. And even when he lifts us up, we don't get lifted up in pride. That's why the Bible says you don't lay hands on a novice or a young believer too early because they'll be lifted up in pride and they won't be able to handle the, the exalted position because of their lack of capacity to stay humble before God. In fact, I gave you four things. Let me just throw this out to help us all. You see, it's not just about examining Mary's life, but I gave you four thoughts to help you uh, develop a humble heart in your life because humility is not a gift, right? It's not something you are endowed with. It's something that is developed in your life. I gave you these four things. I'll just throw them out and we'll move on. Number one, if you want to develop a humble heart, pray for God to search your heart. Stay clean before God. Number two, position yourself under his hand of authority. That's what Peter said. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord under the hand of God and he'll lift you up. Number three, place others as more important than yourself. That's what Philippians 2 teaches about the life of Christ. Don't look at your own interests, but look also at the interests of others and have this attitude which was in you, which was also in Christ, this mind who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Put others as more important important than himself. And then number four, proclaim the greatness of God. Just declare how great God is. That's what Mary did when she met there with, with uh, Elizabeth and, and they had their little Holy Ghost moment and she began to sing and she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. You see, we are the ones who partner with God to hear him. And we are the ones who place ourselves under God's supervision and we stay humble before him. And then this morning, one more thought about Mary's heart. 
that positioned her in a place where God could highly favor her, that we can learn from. Not only was her, her hearing heart and her humble heart, but it was her holy heart. Mary walked pure before the Lord. She stayed clean before God. And how many of you know this is the same for us today? And we can look at the life of Mary and, and hey, without a doubt, she lived a morally pure life. In fact, her question to the angel, you, you know, unlike Zacharias, Zacharias doubted the declaration. Mary didn't doubt the declaration. She just needed clarity. How can I be the son, the mother of the son of God? And she asked this question, how can this be since I do not know a man? What does that tell us about Mary? She made some lifestyle decisions as a young lady that said, I'm going to stay right with God. I'm going to stay morally pure. I'm going to keep myself right with God. And I'm going to follow after him to do his will. Will She kept herself morally pure. You see, understand this about Mary. She, she focused on keeping the faith rather than... Uh, uh, than keeping uh, uh, all the rules and regulations. She just stayed pure to God to follow after him. She had a holy heart. And that's the true for us, as, as true for us today. And, and let me make this, let me make this uh, thought for you to know about living a holy life, because that's what we're talking about. Do you know the, the New Testament and, the, and throughout scripture, it, it declares that we are to live a holy lifestyle, right? How many of you know we need to live a holy lifestyle? In fact, the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And so living a holy life. Let me make this declaration. Let's move a slide here and let's just talk about this. Most people approach holiness from the whole wrong perspective. Now let's think about it for a minute. Living a holy life. How do most people in the world approach this? In fact, this was the endeavor throughout the Old Testament. They did so by trying their best to focus their life on what not to do. Think about it. The children of Israel, that was their whole purpose, trying to keep from doing things that they were not to do by living by a, a set of rules and regulations. That's what the law was. How many of you know that's what the Old Testament was all about? And, and, and most people focus on what not to do. Let me just tell you something. That's the wrong way to approach living a holy life. Because how many of you know, no matter how hard you say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, what do you end up doing? Oops, I can't believe I did it. In fact, that's what the scripture teaches us about, about living a holy life. And, and, and that's why, you know, that's why a lot of people think about Christianity. You ever heard this? It's just a set of rules and regulations. It's just a big list of do's and don'ts. You ever heard that? In fact, that's the way a lot of you grew up in church. It wasn't a lifestyle of how to live. It was how not to live. Are you with me? Am I the only one that, you know, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Parents, have you ever done that? Have you ever been that way with your kids? You, you want them to live right, but all you can tell them is what they're not supposed to do. Don't you do that. You can't smoke you go with the girls that do. And you know what, what do most kids do when their parents say, you can't smoke you go with the girls that do? You know what they do? First chance I get, bless God. I'm going to smoke you and go with the girls that do. 
Because we, we base living right on a system of what we are not to do. You know, when, when I was growing up, it was the, the big, this is funny now. I wish it was this simple now. In my younger days, it was dancing. Did you know down at the, I can't say the denomination, they dance. And it's not in the Holy Ghost. You kids can't go to the dance at school. Ooh, it was dancing. Oh, that's what you can't do. If you're a Christian, you can't be dancing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's a, now we just wish to God that was all it was. But that's the way a lot of us grew up. But that's not the way we look at holy living. Could I suggest to you today that developing a holy heart is not based on what not to do. It's based on how do we then live? What do we do? Rather than what do we not do? Holy living is developed by focusing on what to do rather than what not to do. And if you and I are going to learn from Mary, we're going to have to change the way we think about it. Even how we change the way we live and how we change the way we uh, raise our children. And, and it's not, we don't want to raise our kids with a big set of, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. But hey, if you want to live like Christ, there's, there's a, a lifestyle to follow of things that we do rather than the things that we don't do. And how many of you know, when you began to follow this latter premise, that first part takes care of itself. Are you with me? And so this morning, let me just show you this. You know, in, in fact, I know what some of you may be thinking. Yeah, but wait a minute, preacher. What about the Ten Commandments? Everybody furrow your brow and say, do this. But what about the Ten Commandments? That's a whole big list of things that you do not do, Right? Let me suggest to you, you can take the Ten Commandments and do your best not to do them, and it will never make you holy. Are you with me? Obeying the rules will never make you holy. Look at your neighbor and say, obeying all the rules will never make you holy. Think about that for a moment. Because how many of you know it's what's going on in the Come on now, in our heart. And you know, you can obey rules, but not have an obedient heart. There's a big difference. In fact, did you know this about the Old Testament, about all the law? It was basically written, I'm going to show you this in a minute, uh, biblically. It was written, and in fact, let me just ask this. When you read the law, do you just go, OMG? How could they ever... Obey all those rules. I mean, there's rules about everything. Did you know that? What you eat, what you drink, who you hang out with, weird things about everything, things you shouldn't eat, things you do. And if you do, you'll be, eat up with worms and all kinds of weird stuff. And we read the law and we go, what was God thinking? You want to you wanna, you wanna do that? I know you've been wanting to tell somebody this. Here we go, two more hands. Just say, what was God thinking when he gave them the law? You know what he was thinking? And this is validated in scripture. He, he, the, the whole law was written to show us 
and show the children of Israel that there's no way in your natural person you can obey all the rules. In fact, it was given as a temporary kind of holding pattern until Jesus could come and manifest his grace in the earth. Are you with me? So, you can't obey the rules. You can't obey enough rules to make you holy. And so, it's, it's not what you don't do. It's what you choose to do. How you begin to choose to live your life. Let me show it to you biblically. Turn in your Bible to Galatians. I hear those pages turning. How many of you are? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Say amen. Let me show it to you in Galatians about developing a holy heart. Because that's what it is. Listen, living the life is a choice of how I am going to live, not rather than a set of rules of how I'm not going to live. So let's develop, if you want to develop, how many of you want to develop a holy heart? Okay, here we go. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2. Let me show it to you. Uh, verse 16. I'm just going to pull out some tidbits. And you, re- you can read the context later. Paul is giving this revelation to those who had been living their life trying to obey all the rules. Okay? And the revelation is this. Knowing, verse 16, chapter 2, that a man is not justified, that is, means declared righteous, becoming just as if I'd never sinned. Man is not justified by the works of the law. Get it? If you got it, say, I got it. But by faith in Jesus Christ. Underline that thought. Man is never justified, declared righteous, made right with God by keeping a set of rules and regulations. It's not going to happen. Everybody says it's not going to happen. But how does it happen? By what? Come on, everybody say it out loud. By faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you're declared righteous. That's how your heart and my heart, (coughs) pardon me, begins to develop a lifestyle of holy living and holy choices. And when you begin to do that, guess what? Your, <coughs> pardon me, your desires begin to change because you want to please the Lord. You're trusting God. And hey, guess what you say then? Well, I, I really don't want to smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. I want to please the Lord with my life. Because I'm having faith and trust in him. In fact, what does Hebrews 6 say about faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so if you and I are going to develop a holy heart whereby God can look down upon us and begin to favor us and bring us to a whole new level, it's the same way as it's always been. It's by faith and trust in him. Are you with me? Say amen. Look at what it says in chapter 3. Verse, oh gosh, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith, 
which would afterward be revealed. Did you see that? In other words, the law was a temporary thing just to kind of hold us in a holding pattern until Jesus could come and the revelation that the just shall live by faith could be made manifest in the earth. It was just a temporary thing. In other words, hey, what did we just read? Hey, you're never going to be justified by keeping all the rules. But you're justified by faith. He says this, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by what? Faith. Somebody say faith out loud. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And everybody said, amen. Aren't you glad we don't have to obey all those rules? Who do we obey? Jesus Christ. Is it out of a sense of responsibility to obey? No, it's out of a sense of faith and love for him. That's how a holy heart begins to develop in our life. Look in Colossians. Let me show you this. Turn to Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm going to build a little foundation. And then, hey, we're going to get to some good, strong verses about the favor of God upon the righteous. Look in Colossians chapter 2, verse 21. Oh, guys, verse 20. I've showed this to you before. I'm going to show it to you again. And it really does illustrate the idea that, hey, you can't be righteous by obeying the rules uh, and, and obey it all the, the list. He says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, this is chapter three, verse two and verse 20 in Colossians. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Does that sound kind of parental to a lot? Don't act. Ah, don't touch that. Ah, don't touch. Ah, no, no. Some of our kids are schizophrenic because all they hear from their mom and dad is, ah, don't do that. Ah, don't do that. Some of your Christian life, oh, what do I do? Oh, I can't do that. I can't do this. Why do you keep submitting yourself to that? He goes on to say, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Look in verse 23. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Did you get that? We submit ourselves to a, a bunch of rules and regulations that all sound real spiritual. Well, we just don't do that. We, uh, that that's sinful. We don't, we don't do that. We're, we're more righteous than that. We don't do this. We don't do that. Well, what, well, what do you do? Well, I don't know what we do, but I can tell you what we don't do, bless God. Because we're spiritual. Now, I'm not talking about a license to go sin. How many of you know Romans 6 says, God forbid? Everybody say, God forbid. I'm talking about how we become righteous, and it's not by obeying all the rules. He said that all sounds great, but it's not doing you any good. It has no value against fleshly indulgence. It's not going to make you holy. You with me? But look in chapter 3. How many of you know Paul doesn't leave us hanging? If then, he goes back to this thing, dying to the elementary principles of the world. If then you were raised with Christ, in other words, you have a new life, you're born again. 
Everybody born again, say amen. How many of you on your way from heaven from Beaumont, Texas? Say hallelujah. Now, okay, he's talking about you then. If you who were raised with Christ, here we go. Here's some things that we do focus on rather than this, this big list of do's and don'ts. Seek those things which are above. What a thought. What do most people do? Keep their eye on the things which are below, those ugly things. And we say, I can't do that. I can't do that. Oops, I did that. It has no value against fleshly indulgence. But Paul says, but I'll give you, hey, I'll give you another way of looking at becoming holy. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Oh, number two, catch number two. uh, Setting your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Get a different focus with your brain about how you view life. Hey, let me just say did you know everybody probably has a couple of biggies that they battle with? Are you, okay, now, I'm going to ask this question, and I want everybody to answer by the lifting of the hand so there will be nobody embarrassed by being honest and y'all being dishonest. How many of you in your life, there's a couple, at least a couple of biggies that you battle with? Okay, that's pretty much everybody. If you didn't lift your hand, then... Uh, I need to talk to you. Because Paul the Apostle had some biggies. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I do, I don't want to do. I don't, I don't, uh, man, how am I going to get over this? Oh, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He had some biggies that he battled with. Paul the Apostle comes along and says, get your eyes off those things. Quit focusing on your past. Quit focusing on this negative, uh, the, the, these issues that you think, oh, baby, 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 what am I going to do? He says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then, and then after you get that perspective, now catch this. After you get your focus right, verse 4, verse 5, Therefore, put to death the members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, evil desire, blah, blah, blah. Then you just put those things to death. Lay them to rest. Once you get your focus right. Does that make sense to you? Does that, does that make sense to you? So how many of you want to develop a holy heart in your life? It begins with refocusing not on what we shouldn't be doing, but rather what should I be doing? So that's the big, that's the big fault today. Just begin to think and ponder in your life. If I want to develop a holy heart, it's based upon refocusing. And that's what, hey, uh, just refocusing our purpose on, hey, I want to be pleasing to him. One final verse, and then we're going to get back to Mary. Second Timothy 2, uh, 22, Second Timothy 2, 22. One of my favorite as a young man, uh, because it's, it's addressed to Timothy, who was a young disciple in the faith, and it really brings this whole fault together of refocus. He says, flee also youthful lust. If he'd have stopped there, you would have kind of go, okay. But then he says, flee youthful lust, but pursue. Here's a, he, let me give you a list of things to, to, yeah, you're supposed to flee youthful lust, but let me tell you how you can do that effectively by pursuing after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. Wow. 
Now, if you will catch that, and you will catch this premise, this thought that I have given you today, that it's not being, living a holy life is not based on, on obeying the rules, but it's based upon having faith and trust and confidence in God. And again, to focusing on what pleases him, it will change your life from this day forth and forevermore. Addictions will begin to fall off your life. Listen to me. The biggies will begin to lose their grip on your life. And you'll begin to develop a lifestyle of righteous living, not based on obeying all the rules, but based on wanting to please him who who gave his life for you. The one who you trust and have faith in. Now, as we close, let's look at Mary. Let's take another look at Mary. Because this is the lifestyle Mary led. You say, how do you know how Mary led? Well, I already gave you the kind of the beginning. How can this be? Since I don't know a man. Well, uh, let me just say, here's the biggie. Well, and let me just say, how did we just learn how you're justified, declared righteous? It's by faith. Everyone say, by faith. What did Galatians say? You're not, you're not justified, declared righteous, holy, by obeying the rules. It ain't happening. Everybody say, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. It's by faith. And what do we learn about Mary from the get-go? She was a woman of faith. Even prior to the revelation that just shall live by faith, she had positioned herself as a, as a woman before her time, even as Abraham. You think Abraham, you say, well, how could, hey, Abraham, what does it say about Abraham? He's the father of our faith. He was justified in Old Testament times, not by obeying the rules, but by his faith in God. He was declared holy and righteous, not by obeying all the letter of the law, but by his faith in Christ. So was it with Mary. Because when she heard the declaration of the angel and she got clarity on how it was going to happen. Oh, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon me. You know what she did? She said this, hey, behold the maid servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. That's a woman of faith. Who by her faith, she chose to live a lifestyle that was pleasing and honoring to God that caused him to look down on her life and say, ooh, she's, I'm about to highly favor her. In fact, when she got to Elizabeth just a few days later, a few weeks later, and, and they have their little Holy Ghost moment, what did Elizabeth say and declare over her? You know why you're here today? Because you believed God. Because you had faith. You trusted the word of God. She was a woman of faith. She built a lifestyle of spiritual integrity with God. She had credibility with God. She focused on keeping the faith rather than keeping all the rules. Let me say that again. She focused on keeping the faith rather than keeping all the rules. Do I want to say it one more time? Oh, yes, I do. She focused her life not on obeying all the rules, but by, by keeping all the rules, but by keeping the faith. I'm just going to keep trusting you and following after you and believing that you, you, you have good for me and you want to bless me. She focused on what to do rather than what not to do. Why? Because she was a woman of faith. And when we position ourselves that way, church, listen carefully. The favor of God 
can begin to come upon us. I said the favor of God can begin to come upon us. You'll never find favor by trying to obey all the rules. It has no value against fleshly indulgence. But you can find favor by trusting God and yielding yourself to him. And when you trust him, hey, how are we justified? By faith. We're declared righteous by faith. Let me show you some verses. Psalm chapter 5. Follow me and we'll close. One of my favorite ones is Psalm chapter 5 when it comes to the favor of God. Verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. How are we made righteous? Not by obeying the rules, but by what? Faith. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Catch this. I love it. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. That says a whole lot, folks. How many of you know God will build a protective hedge of his favor over your life? If you and I can begin to focus on how do we live, we live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't, we don't focus on trying to obey all the rules. You see, some of you think you can impress God. You know what impressed God, uh, impressed Jesus when he was here on planet earth? You know what got his attention? Faith. In fact, it amazed him about some. He would say, I've not seen such great faith, no, not in all of Israel. That's what impressed God. It wasn't about obeying all the rules. And some of us think we're going to impress God. Oh, bless God, I'm going to fast. Oh, I'm going to pray harder than I've ever prayed before. And, and God's going to be so impressed with my religious duty that he's going to have to favor me. Not so. It's what's on the inside of our what? Heart. Not by our religious calisthenics. You see, when you get your heart right, you're just going to want to pray more. When you get your heart right, you'll just want to fast. When you get your heart right, you, you will be like, Mary, you won't want to be immoral. When we get our hearts right in faith, we won't have to worry about this big list of do's or don'ts and impressing God with our righteous calisthenics. We'll impress God by our faith. Let me give you a couple more and we'll pray. Psalm 24. I love this one. We have some friends that wrote a song from this psalm. Verse 3 through five. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive what? Blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. What does it say there? That when we 
began to live a life of holy living, God's favor and blessing began to be made manifest in our life. One final one, and then we're closed. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2. A good man, and let me just say, or woman, obtains favor from the Lord. But a man of wicked intentions, talking about the heart, he will condemn. You see, God looks at the heart. And he wants to favor us. He wants us to begin to live a lifestyle of faith that would be pleasing to him. It'll never be accomplished by obeying all the rules. But you can step into a whole new level of favor when you just begin to yield yourself to him. In fact, what does Romans say? We submit ourselves, our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Holy and acceptable to God. You know what some people try to do? They try to clean up before they get there. You can't clean up before you come to God. You come to God and He'll clean you up. Amen. You don't clean a fish before you catch it. Jesus gets a hold of you. He'll start cleaning you up. Just got to have trust. God wants to favor us like he's never favored us before, but he's looking at our heart. A good man or woman will find favor from God. How do we find goodness? Not in our own strength. It's not of works of righteousness, which we have done. It's according to his mercy saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. As we close today, we pray together. I've been looking at the life of Mary, and most of you may not realize it. Did you know Mary was one of the first tongue talkers? Did you know she was at Pentecost? She was a Holy Ghost Spirit filled believer. She's a faithful member of the church. We kind of put Mary on this big pedestal. I got a feeling she's one of the best workers in the church, one of the greatest evangelists in the church because. She knew. See, she knew from the moment the Holy Spirit came upon her because she was a word girl that she was about to give birth to the Savior of the world. And that all happened because she had faith. I got a feeling she's one of the biggest evangelists in the church. She knew she had bore the Savior of the world Let's stand together today. God wants to deliver some of us today from trying their best to impress. Let's be honest today. How many of you ever kind of slipped into that obeying the rules kind of Christianity? Where did it ever get you? Nowhere. Hey, I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm pointing you towards the real way of Becoming holy. The pressure's off, my friend. It's not by how good you perform before Him. It's by your willingness to trust Him in every area of your life. Let's bow our heads before the Lord.